0: Welcome to the American Meteorological Society's podcast series on careers in the atmospheric and related sciences. I'm Kelly Savoy, and I'm here with Rex Warner, and we will be your hosts. Our podcast series will give you the opportunity to step into the shoes of an expert working in weather, water, and climate
1: sciences. We are excited to introduce today's guest, Randy Bass, a manager of the Federal Aviation Administration's. Weather Research Branch, and an AMS-certified consulting meteorologist. Welcome, Randy. Thanks so much for joining us.
2: Thank you. It's great to be here.
0: Randy, could you tell us a little bit about your educational background and what sparked your interest in meteorology?
2: Sure. I have a bachelor's of science in meteorology from North Carolina State that I received in 1987 and a master's degree in meteorology from Texas A&M in 1996. When I first started college as an undergrad, I was an electrical engineer major. Uh, then I started taking E classes, but I quickly realized that wasn't the path for me. So I started looking through the book of majors that North Carolina State offered and came across meteorology. It's something I had an interest in as far as weather, so I thought I'd check it out. As it turned out, the night before my meeting with the head of the meteorology department, and uh, this was back in 1984, Uh, We had an unprecedented tornado outbreak in North Carolina. um, And from that, I was just hooked.
0: So that's pretty interesting. So you, as you were a kid when you were in high school, you really thought that you wanted to go into engineering. And then um, what made you veer to meteorology from the engineering point of view? You just were like, oh, this seems kind of interesting. I'll give it a try.
2: It was between meteorology and psychology. Wow. And my roommate was a psychologist. Uh, With a 4.0 who was graduating with no prospects for a job. So I thought, hmm, meteorology is a much better way to go. Yeah, good choice. I thought so.
1: Speaking of job prospects, Randy, I'd be interested to know what was your first job you found after you achieved your meteorology degree or degrees? And how did that first job eventually take you to where you are now?
2: back in the 1980s after graduation uh there were basically three paths for meteorologists they could take Uh, the national weather service uh, grad school or the military but there was a hiring freeze so the weather service was really hard to get into and realistically i needed a break from school so after a year of being out of school i joined the air force and became a weather officer which to me was the best thing i ever did I entered as a second lieutenant, and my first job was as a wing weather officer at Grissom Air Force Base in Indiana. So for the first year or so, I trained as an operational meteorologist, uh, just doing forecasting, uh, putting out uh, terminal aerodrome forecasts or TAFs, issuing watches and warnings, and providing flight briefings to the air crews. During that time, I also learned all aspects of weather support to aircraft and military operations for uh, peacetime, training, and wartime contingencies. So, uh, throughout my career in the Air Force, I deployed three times to the Middle East and Egypt for almost a year total. I commanded weather units during those deployments, as well as two tours as a weather flight commander here in the States. Uh, I spent almost eight years supporting the intelligence community, working with the satellites, I even learned a little bit about space weather on the side. So the Air Force even sent me back to school for my master's degree. So I, that was just a great deal.
0: Wow, that sounds really interesting. Like the the work that you did, it must have been really cool to have that position. And did you learn how to, were you a pilot at all? Or were you just more um, the operational and providing that information to pilots?
2: Now, one, my eyesight was never good enough to be a pilot, and two, it was just something I had no desire to do. So, uh, you know, I had my meteorology degree and I wanted to, uh, you know, to use it in my career. So after I uh, retired as a major, after 20 years, I then joined a defense contractor doing some weather-related jobs. But uh, after a few years, those duties started to change in direction, so I started to look for other opportunities. It just so happened, the FAA posted an announcement on USA Jobs, looking for someone to lead their uh, convective weather research program at the time. And with my background in aviation and my veterans preference, I thought I'd at least get an interview, but I was fortunate enough to get the position and started working for the FAA back in 2012. In 2018, I moved up to be the acting manager of the weather research branch and, and got the permanent position around Memorial Day that year. So uh, that's where I'm at now. That's great to hear.
0: So what opportunities did you pursue, you know, while you were in school or just about to graduate or even um, the first few months after graduation that you thought would be beneficial to securing a job in the profession you wanted?
2: You know, my father had been in the Air Force, so he was the one who really encouraged me to look into the military. And since I had that degree, I was eligible to go in as an officer, and that really appealed to me. Uh, they had a need for meteorologists back then, so uh, they accepted me into officer training school, and, and I uh, started my training in 1988. So uh, that would be the main one. Um, another couple of other opportunities that uh, I did, I joined, you know, joining AMS and the National Weather Association and being a member of both of those for years. You know, and it's through AMS that I was uh, able to pursue my uh, Consulting meteorologist certification. I did that in 2013 after seeing a couple of friends and colleagues do it, and uh, obtained that designation in 2014. So you know, I think pursuing the career in the military and joining you know the professional societies are the two opportunities that really come to mind. When you're in school, Randy, were there any classes other than the typical
1: math and science classes that you think would be useful? for students that might be interested in following your career footsteps?
2: I think there's three areas that, uh, that I try to talk to uh, students and even young career professionals about. Computer programming courses like uh, C++ and Python. Matter of fact, I just started learning Python on my own, so it's never too late to learn. Another area I encourage students to focus on is, is just mastering English or whatever your native language is, especially in writing. Whether you're writing a forecast discussion, a journal article on your research, uh, a performance report on an employee, you know, writing skills are incredibly important and something that uh, they need to focus on. And then finally, take a public speaking course. Granted, most meteorologists aren't gonna become broadcasters, but we still end up speaking to a lot of groups in public, whether it's at an AMS conference, or even in your workplace. Um, It can be very intimidating, but those kind of courses are really helpful. That's great to hear. So
0: during your career, I know you mentioned your dad um, had an influence in you joining the military. Did you have any other mentors that provided you with guidance along the way?
2: I didn't really have any formal mentors in the sense that, uh, you know, in any kind of formal program, but I've had a lot of supervisors, managers, and colleagues that have provided tremendously helpful advice and guidance throughout my career. I've also worked with a lot of great people that I've watched and emulated over the years um, that I would basically consider indirect mentors, or I guess you could call them mentors by proxy. Uh, there's just so many, to, that, you know, too many to name or single out.
1: On a different note, Randy, could you tell us currently what a typical day on your job might be like?
2: Sure. So the branch that I manage, um, our job is to conduct research that mitigates the impacts on aviation. So anyone who's probably flown more than a couple of times has is, is I'm sure had some kind of weather issue during their flight. Uh, it could have been delays because they had to de-ice their airplane. Uh, maybe their flight was rerouted in the air because of thunderstorms or they encountered turbulence uh, and the flight attendants couldn't serve beverages. What we do is research on convection, icing, turbulence, uh, cloud ceilings and visibilities. What we're trying to do is make your next flight as smooth and as safe as possible. So I oversee the uh, the program managers who do all that. And to me, it's really exciting stuff. And I think we're making a difference.
0: That does sound really exciting. So now, where is your place of work? Like, do you, it, you know, I know that some people work at airports, but are you... Not at an airport are you um, at a different location where you just provide information for different airports
2: I actually work in Washington DC at the FAA headquarters so again we're we're doing the research or we're monitoring you know the program management of that research that's done by national labs and other vendors and uh, industry so uh, no we're not we're not actually at an airport or anything but uh, you know, the, the good work that we do and the successful uh, algorithms and, and other things that we do get sent to usually the National Weather Service for incorporation into their support to the FAA.
0: What do you like most about your job?
2: Yeah, actually, that, that's a good segue because uh, what I really love about the job is when we transition that new capability to operations or do something that enhances the safety or, uh, of aviation or the efficiency of flying. In many cases, those capabilities not only help the flying community, but the general public. Uh, for example, we funded the initial development of the high-resolution rapid refresh model, the HER. It was developed specifically for aviation, but because it was so good at forecasting thunderstorms uh, you know, in that uh, zero to, to six-hour time frame, that now all National Weather Service forecasters use it for their area forecast. And with uh, convective weather season coming up right now, it's, uh, it's always cool to see that what we were doing in research just a few years ago is now being used in operations to make better forecasts.
1: What is the most challenging part about your
2: job? I'd have to say the time timeframe um, for research. You know, we get a, a, a need and everybody wants it done right then, but unfortunately it takes a while to get uh, to research done and into operations. Uh, we want to do it as fast as possible, but it takes much longer to develop that capability and then transition it into operations. And we just can't develop something and then send it out for use. You've got to do a quality assessment to determine how accurate it is, and then user evaluations to make sure that the operators know how it's supposed to be used and that it performs operationally like it does in the lab. And that includes training the users as well. So, you know, the greatest invention in the world is useless if people don't use it correctly. It, it just takes time and that's, uh. That can be exasperating at times.
0: Does your job allow for a good work-life balance? Do you work like a Monday through Friday regular shift job or um, is it, you know, different hours depending on the day?
2: No, we actually have a good work-life balance. Uh, I work a 980 schedule, meaning I work nine hours a day for eight business days, then one eight-hour day, and then get one day off every two weeks. There's no shift work. So I don't have to worry about working nights or weekends. And, you know, I do travel occasionally, but there's no chance of being deployed like I was in the Air Force. So it's it's definitely a better deal as far as work-life balance.
0: Yeah, I mean, it must be good to have like a set schedule because I know that a lot of uh, forecasters are on those shifts where (laughs) they have to wake up at like one in the morning, (laughs) it's gonna be really hard.
2: It was easier to do when I was younger I do not envy people that do that at my age anymore.
1: Randy, what is one of the most exciting moments in your career, either in assuming a new responsibility, completing a project, working with a particular person, a team?
2: To, to me, it's probably uh, events. And uh, there, there's a ton of them, but uh, I think a couple of them I can think of you know, right off the top of my head. Uh, while I was stationed at Grissom, Uh, and this was, uh, I believe, 1993. We had three tornadoes go over the base in one night. Um, And of course, there was a huge base-wide formal dinner going on. We blew the alarm, so the guests had to huddle in a shelter for about three hours. And every time we'd start to give the all clear, another storm with a hook echo would form and move towards the base. That was really my first brush with, uh, you know, tornadoes right there at us. But it wasn't until 2001 when I visually saw my first and only tornado when I was stationed at Ellsworth Air Force Base in South Dakota. Fortunately, it stayed off to the north and uh, just grazed the very edge of the base. uh, So it didn't really do any damage, but that was the uh, first time I was able to actually see one. But I think what really stands out is an event that uh, happened back in the late 1990s. If you remember the movie Free Willy about the whale, the uh, whale's name was Kiko, and the Air Force was tasked to fly Kiko to Iceland, where it was uh, released back into the ocean. I actually set up the weather support for that flight. Wow. Cool. To me, it was pretty exciting, and, and my daughter thought I was cool.
0: <laughs> well, it's definitely cool. Is there anything you wish you had done differently in your career?
2: You know, my career has had some up and downs like everybody else's, but I've always thought that things happen for a reason and I wouldn't be where I am today if I had done things differently. And I like where I'm at today, so no, I, I can't say that there really is anything.
1: We talked about the CCM as a form of professional development. Are there any other opportunities that you've pursued to keep current classes or any other sort of meetings or events or anything really?
2: Sure, uh, obviously my job keeps me current because we're always looking to enhance safety and uh, um, working with weather. Besides just the CCM, I'm really involved as a member of both the uh, AMS and the uh, National Weather Association, being a member of a couple of committees with those organizations. I do try to attend the annual meetings for both of them. Uh, I read the, uh, the bulletin of the, uh, you know, the BAMS, the Bulletin of the American Meteorological Society. And even though I don't do any you know, operational forecasting per se, I still check out numerical weather models and other data to stay informed. You know, try to, if nothing else, alert family and friends when weather's approaching. So, you know, I'm proud to be a weather geek.
0: Do you have any advice for um, any of our listeners who are looking to pursue a career in aviation meteorology?
2: Sure. You know, aviation meteorology is an, an interesting career field. So, uh, you know, if you're a student, First of all, explore opportunities just beyond your regular classes. I'd say look into the intern programs. Uh, the National Weather Service and the airlines have intern programs um, specifically for aviation weather. We even have an intern program here at the FAA, and our aviation weather division has hosted interns last year and in the past. Of course, you know, consider graduate school or the or the military, and then for everyone, you know, in, including. Uh, mid and late career, it's, you know, it's never too late. So you can get involved with uh, your local AMS chapter. These are great places to network and, and even find a mentor if you need to. Contact your TV meteorologist um, or others in the career field that uh, may be in the local area, talk to them. Don't be afraid to ask someone to be a mentor or, or help you out with uh, some advice. And then if fall else fails, and, and actually I shouldn't say that, you know, feel free to contact us at the uh, FAA. There's about a dozen meteorologists that we have on staff, and any of us would be happy to answer any questions you might have about the career field.
0: So for the FAA for aviation jobs, are there any other majors besides meteorology that would work for that field, or is it, do they specifically look for meteorology majors?
2: No, we're, we're a very small minority. Most of the uh, people that work at the FAA are engineers, or of course, you know, air traffic controllers. And even in our division, it's about half various types of engineers and uh, half meteorologists. So uh, it is certainly not just meteorologists that work for uh, and support the, uh, the weather program.
1: If you were hiring a meteorologist, what would you look for on a resume?
2: I think the two things we always look for is a, uh, in, a, in a well-written resume and cover letter, it just needs to reflect your experience. Obviously, anything aviation or weather related should be highlighted, but we wanna look and see how well-rounded an individual is. You know, we're looking at leadership experience or experience with managing a project, you know, something that makes you stand out. Just remember, you're competing against others who are just as qualified as you are. And employers and and that includes us, we're looking for anything that sets you apart. So you know those are the kind of things that we look for in a uh, resume.
0: Are there opportunities for entry level positions all the way up to senior positions in the FAA, or is it more you look for people who have a little bit more experience?
2: For the FAA itself, it, it can run the gamut from uh, you know right out of college to uh, you know senior people in their career field. Uh, for meteorologists, other than the intern program, realistically, we'd like somebody that's, that's had some operational experience or had you know, a few years of experience in weather. So more of a mid-career person is probably better suited for us just because it is a uh, very intensive position.
0: So Randy, we always ask our guests one last fun question at the end of each of our podcasts what is your favorite hobby?
2: That's an easy one for me, that would be fishing.
0: What kind of fishing?
2: Uh, I prefer saltwater fishing, uh, specifically for species like drum and trout, but you know, I enjoy freshwater as well, uh, bass fishing, uh, crappie fishing. And once I retire and, and move to wherever we end up, my plan is to buy a boat and fish as much as possible.
0: <laughs> Have you always fished like it since you were a kid or is this a, a new hobby?
2: no i I probably learned to fish right after I learned to walk ah so, so I, I've always found it challenging and relaxing at the same time, so it's uh yeah i I look forward to my days on the lake
0: what what's what's your biggest catch uh
2: I've caught a couple of uh red drum that weighed probably forty to fifty pounds. Wow I caught them off the pier and they were actually too big to keep, so all we did was uh see how long they were, held them up, took a picture and then threw them back. So I don't know exactly how much they weighed, but typically it's about a pound an inch and they were over 40 inches. Not bad.
1: Thanks so much for joining us, Randy, and sharing your work experiences
2: with us. You're certainly welcome. Like I said, if anybody ever has any questions, uh, you know, feel free to contact me and we'll be happy to uh, answer any of your career questions.
1: Wonderful. Well, that's our show for today. Please join us next time, rain or shine.